see this is a minefield and it's something that it's so even so like dangerous us talking about and tippy toeing around like you even said things like there'll be people listening to podcasts like this that are looking for basically they would have heard exactly what you just said but all they would have taken from it was she eats pizza and drinks yeah. beer <laughs> like that the people think that way they're like oh cheat meals that's fine i can do this and the term balance when it comes to from my eyes with nutrition training fitness everything to do with um, how you look, feel, and perform. The balance isn't 50 50. The, the balance, yeah. it makes up 100%, and it's realistically 95 5 or something along those lines. So yeah. if you're having, if you're cooking the vast majority of your own meals, you're eating whole, unprocessed foods all week, every week, 365, one pizza isn't going to hurt you on no. a weekly basis. It's when people think, oh, well, I'll go out on a Friday and Saturday, I train yeah. Monday to Friday. That's not balanced, that's very heavily skewed the other way. Hello, welcome to episode number 19 of For Fit's Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. This week, myself and Rudd are joined by Svava of The Viking Method. Svava, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. How are you? you? Good, good, good. You were, you were very late this morning. You uh, had a taxi driver that didn't show up for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> you sent Rudd's a message. He said uh, you were kind of angry at the time. He was worried you were going to kick the taxi driver's ass. <laughs> what, what, what happened when he arrived? <laughs> oh, it was absolutely nothing. It was literally... It was this older man who was playing like 60s music. Okay. So that yeah, puts you back it. in a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, situation. That'd be good. And uh, you were speaking at, are you at Wellfest at the weekend? How was yeah. that? It was amazing. I love coming to Wellfest. And just not only because I know the girls who are doing it and I think it's quite amazing what they've built up for the last four years, but also just, you know, it's just the Irish hospitality and the energy and, and how everybody is. And I, I love to be called Pat. <laughs> everybody does that here pet. here you go pet okay yeah that sounds I just about think right it's the nicest thing you obviously met my mother over the weekend she calls everyone <laughs> pet um, well obviously the Irish people love having you come I know from when um, we go to Wellfest every year a lot of our members really look forward to going and seeing you Alan, over the last few years and we've a couple of members who hold you in very high regard here so Rudds you weren't at Wellfest this year but you met up with Svava yesterday for a bite to eat yeah we went for a lovely bite to eat in Roberto's Roberto's Roberta's ta- Roberta's or Roberto's <laughs> in town um, with Joanna and Isaac and um, yeah no it was awesome really really uh, good food and great company fantastic mm-hmm. um, well because you're so late Svava we'll get stuck straight into it we'll keep <laughs> Rudd's small talk till the end if Rudd's gonna run through quickly the key takeaways we want to get from the episode today and we'll dive straight in so uh, the first one would be how to dramatically improve your fitness using minimal equipment the second one would be how to keep nutrition simple and sustainable and the third one is how to think like a viking and just before we go straight into that, Svav, for people who don't know a whole lot about you um, or what the Viking Method is, do you want to give us a brief overview so to have some context for the episode? Sure. So the Viking Method is a three-folded method. So it's about training like a Viking, eating like a Viking, and thinking like a Viking. So, And most methods leave the third out to think like a Viking, obviously because they're not the Viking Method, so they wouldn't be called that. Yeah. But it's it's a lot about... It's a method that starts from the inside out instead of starting from the outside in. So we don't start just with the training and the nutrition. We start with your mental state, making that strong. And that leads to making your training really good and your nutrition really good. Wow. 
Okay, um, and then obviously a big part of that from the training point of view, which we love uh, as well as nutrition, keeping nutrition very simple, like Rod's talked about, but training with minimal equipment, um, yeah. that's kind of the crux of it. So um, the, the first thing to talk about is how can people, like we, people like to talk about home workouts, best ways to do workouts with minimal equipment. Why are you such a big believer that that's, that's a great way to do things? I think because it's, it's easy also for the masses because there's so many things that are hard to, to get to or you might not live close to a gym or and often when people are starting their fitness journey they feel very self um conscious like yep. when they go to the gym when they do things they don't want to approach anybody they don't have a proper program all of these kind of stuff so i thought the best thing is is to create a program where you can do it anywhere yeah so you could start from home and then or you could take it to the gym and it's easily accessible you don't have to have certain machines that are only in this or that gym or if you're traveling it won't be there so you're losing out on your program it's just to get you to do the most with the littlest fuss as possible clearing the clutter as Rhodes is a big fan of yeah yeah I think as well it kind of gets rid of the excuses like so I found with my own programming and like in the gym here and a lot of the classes when you can kind of strip it back to something that's really really simple it kind of stops you going well i don't have that equipment yeah. or i don't have that dumbbell or i can't do that because of this whereas when it's very very simple it's like well it's up to me i've got to go do this now yeah. and there's, there's not really like you said there's not really a barrier to entry and, and that's probably the other thing as well you're talking about people that are new to the gym setting or probably at the start of their fitness journey it's intimidating like going into a yeah. gym can be very intimidating so like if people want to build up confidence or like even it's, it's really interesting you're talking about how it starts with mindset first but it's very difficult to say that to somebody who is at the start of their fitness journey where their why yeah. you know is a body composition thing they want to they want to look better so for those people at the very start it is going to be about you know the visual and and it can be quite daunting if they're self-conscious before they start so it's a great way to kick it off and then with, with your clients do you see much of a progression from people obviously if you follow on instagram your videos are very cool i, I haven't you. tried many of those things in, in the gym yet because i'm kind of worried about killing myself yeah it looks very hard it says minimal equipment but it doesn't say easy training um obviously it's becoming very popular Um, you're probably seeing people all over the world now tagging you in videos sending things back to you that they're taking on from from your training yeah it must be really cool i love it i absolutely love it and i also love the thing that i want to be able to feel like is that i'm capable of whatever so my body is very capable and and i think if you're just lifting heavy weights you're always going to be lacking in, in certain other kind of aspects of movement so i do a lot of um, balance work rotational work plyometrics so whatever comes my way i can kind of kill it you know okay. if i'm like walking down the road and and like a dog doberman <laughs> comes running you know i can kind of outrun it and, and yeah. jump over a wall and crawl under a fence and yep. then like kick it in the face you know <laughs> that kind of stuff like whatever happens i can do it you feel ready yeah yeah and that's the kind of the, the dynamic training like it's that that's what we talk about balance in your training not just being very good at one thing how that can help people feel in terms of confidence and what their body can actually do and even from speaking of doing uh, the workouts myself when i did it in welfast you had us um doing a lot of things but like like you talked about the rotational elements and like combining different movements we did loads of cool things but there's one where it was like you rolled back and then you came up in a single leg squat and then stood yeah. up from the bottom like is how it, did that go Rods? uh i was actually okay on one of my you legs good at the rolling. I, I, the I, rolling I rolled part. very nicely yeah. uh, but then on one side uh, but it was really good because then one because like what i really liked about it is really really challenging but as well you can see from as a 
like as a trainer i could see the benefit in it in terms of like functional fitness the ability yeah. to come from that position when you're not it's not perfect and it's tough and then being able to get up off one leg and do a single leg squat but then also from someone who like just with the hat on of enjoying my training it was something totally new and fun it was like yeah. a fun challenge of doing that so you kind of see it from the both sides of the coin of as a trainer this is the benefit of doing this but it's just someone enjoying the session it's like this is really cool i've never yeah. done this before um so there was loads of those types of exercises that kind of combined maybe a more traditional exercise but then you put a twist on it a, a viking twist on it yeah thank yeah. you yeah he no he's i've I haven't seen any videos of it yet Rob, but i'd love to no, see those right I, ba- I banned all videos of <laughs> yeah. the of, of the role the cameras down yeah. at Welfast. <laughs> but i mean it's even like i have a client and he is 62 okay and i do a lot of balance work with him and he so i train him in his house and then he goes to the gym as well twice a week and he told me he was in the gym the other day in the changing room and it was quite busy so he's putting his sock on. So he was just standing on one leg and putting his sock on. Wow. And another guy comes up to him and goes like, oh my God, how can you do that? <laughs> and he said, he said he thought of me and all the balance. Went. He said, just everything feels stronger and tighter and I'm more in control of my body like that. He doesn't just fall over just because he's standing on one leg. You know? and I'm delighted you said that, Tyra Rhodes, but I remember we, myself and Rhodes, did a, a pitch for a, a corporate gig a couple of years ago. And... Uh, we met a guy who was talking about, um, we were basically trying to say that we cater for fitness of, of everybody in their company, from kind of people who love the gym to more sedentary people to older people are part of the company. And one of the comments was um, they wanted something for kind of older members of staff where they could basically cycle a bike and watch television. Yeah. We, we said we'd have no TVs in the gym space. Mm-hmm. And I remember he said that, and that was really, they thought that that was really important for that guy. But Rhodes, you turn around with the argument that, well, like, yeah, this is what can be important from exactly what you're talking about. And the re- the research does show that like one of the biggest um, kind of things that can happen to an older person is falling, yeah. risk of falling, um, and so having better mobility, having better balance, having more muscle tissue. So doing squats and lunges. Like I ho- I train um, an older gentleman as well, and we've been working together five years, and now he can do like full depth squats, full depth lunges with weights and with really good form he could never do that at the start but like like you talk about being more capable that's made him so much more capable yeah. but now five years on when he should be at more risk of falling yeah. i severely doubt he's gonna have those problems yeah. now do you know so um i think that's really really important and like you said it's not maybe just getting out of your comfort zone a little bit and not just going on the bike i think it's really important if you are someone who's older who's listening to this and you're thinking about that is just invest in going to a class or go to somewhere where someone can teach you how to do it properly because i think that's really important to yeah. get your confidence up that when you're not confident and you're older and um, the easier thing is just to hop on the bike or the cross trainer and do it because it's comfortable and you know you'll be okay but i think if you're going to start down more of a functional route than just going and doing a class with others or doing a class or a, yeah. a one-on-one session once or twice a week to learn how to do it properly and get your confidence and yeah, conf- confidence is such a big thing I, the client you're talking about I don't think he needed much more confidence as it was Rudd. he's probably listening no. but uh, like I remember with my granddad he um, 
he's oh, he's always trained his whole life and he kind of took a few years off it when he had some health problems but like he he's basically like he's in the gym th- maybe three times a week he doesn't do a crazy amount but he does different things all the time he never goes in and just does the same things and like uh, my mates that see him in the gym at home in Kilkenny would be kind of like texting me saying like he's your granddad's doing dips and stuff that, like he's just you know he's, he goes in and does something different all the time but he says when he leaves the gym he's done something that he probably didn't think he could have done last week he's just tried something a little bit different he's not pushing himself to the limit physically but he's not getting stuck in a routine of this is what i should be doing at my age this is what the norm yeah. is and his confidence is sky high from that so that's that's a really cool thing that we probably didn't expect to get out of that no um and it's what in ter- sorry i went to ask the what was the inspiration for this type of training method like was was it through just your own fitness journey is it something yeah. that is is in kind of your, your I culture mean, it's, yeah i'm the way I've done loads of different stuff and the way that I've always trained is quite a lot with my body and and in Iceland we kind of love the training that is very hardcore and yeah. you know and you're outside and you're flipping tires and it's snowing and all of that kind it's of stuff. It's pretty badass. It's yeah. yeah, it's quite like badass and it makes you feel badass and I like everything that makes you feel like that and I find most people kind of never tap into their own power. And I think to be able to do that, because everybody has loads of strength and loads of power. It's not like only selected few were born like that. Yeah. Everybody has it. And, and to have training where you're kind of getting the most out of your body, but then at the same time getting the most out of your own kind of self, mental power with it. Yeah. I think that's, that's the best combination to have. And I've, I've always been in sports and I was very pushed, pushed as a child and I've always loved all the aspect of that as well. So I tried to find a method that would combine all of those elements together. Yeah, something very challenging, demanding, but gives you that that inner feeling of belief and confidence and power as well. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, th- what kind of ties in then? Obviously, keeping things very simple in terms of the training. Uh, like we've had tons of people on the podcast so far, kind of nutrition backgrounds. Um, and like what we're trying to identify from speaking to different people is coming from very different backgrounds, professional sports, um, very research-based backgrounds, very practical-based backgrounds like yourself, working with clients on a daily basis. Um, like what do you think are the key areas for improving nutritional choices for people? I think... The biggest thing is, is stop thinking so much about it. I like it. I, I just think nutrition has turned into something much more than it is. I mean, and I'm not saying, of course, you should enjoy your food and everything, but it is really just fueling your body. I mean, today you're even having conversations with your friends about what you ate in the day, which is just weird, you know. For you know, breakfast, I had this and lunch. What did you have for lunch? This is just strange. And I think the more you talk about it, the more obsessed you get with it. Yeah. And I think you should just have, in my belief in the Viking method, we just have certain stuff. You can choose between all of this, have that, try to prepare as much as you can, but then not think about it too much. Not be all the time. And do you know what? If you have a pizza, I had a pizza last night. <laughs> if you have a pizza, then, you know, you just had the pizza and, and that's it. So it's also because people focus on nutrition so much, they also focus on the negative. Yeah. Like I had a pizza last night. So... The whole week, and if I would have done it on a Friday, the whole week weekend is kind of off anyway. So I might just eat shit, and then I'll start back on Monday. Because you're focusing so much on, on this pizza you just had. Instead of just having that, waking up the next day and have your healthy breakfast again. It's more just to know what you can have, and then just have that and talk to your friends about other stuff. I think as well, like, 
if you've ever tried like fasting or anything like that the way the point where you think of the more you think and talk about the food the hungrier you get mm-hmm. so like if normally all of us we kind of get to a point of hunger and we think we're really hungry but if you think of like a scale of one to ten you're probably only tapping into a two or a three yeah. there's like a whole nother level you could go to if you didn't have food right in front of you or if you couldn't just go get food really quickly so like i've done a few fasting experiments and you kind of normally i'd eat every like four hours say and you're getting up to that four hour point and you're like oh my god I'm so hungry this is really really bad and then you push past the four hours and you get to five and you're like oh I'm not hungry anymore yeah. and then you push past and you, you realise that but I think a big part of it is the conditioning we're conditioned to have meals at certain times and the more you talk about food the more you think about food the more you see food the more you're going to be conditioned for that reward system to go eat that food Yeah. whereas when you say like I, I don't know if you've ever found this when you're really busy and you've got loads on in a day and say for instance you miss a meal and then you end up go, like you just don't have a chance to eat for another three or four hours you just push past that and you're like oh jeez I'm actually yeah, grounded yeah. I don't yeah. need that yeah. but um, when you like you said when you think and obsess over it the whole time then you kind of, your body and your brain kind of tricks you into yeah. you need it more than you need it I think what's really important in that I, I kind of love the way you're like addressing and people, people talk about their food a lot more like it's so rare that and I think it's definitely in Ireland like people are it's kind of like I, play, I played golf with a fellow today and he said he made a comment he's married to a Canadian girl he said I'm so typically Irish and I kind of was like what's that mean he goes like someone gives him a compliment and he's like nah like oh you're looking well ah, I'm not I'm not I'm oh not. yeah so, so yeah yeah it's kind of like <laughs> if, if people are so quick especially Irish people focus on the negative things like in general in terms of they're not going to sit down and go, man, my diet, I'm eating so well. I'm eating, like, you know, I've eaten so many really good meals. Everything is going great. They'll focus on the one bad thing and yeah. you could let that derail them. Uh, and that is something that you get, like, you know, my clients will come to me a lot and they'll be like, right, this is what I ate today. What do you think? I had this for breakfast, this for lunch. And I'm just like, you know they're good things to eat. Like, the fact yeah. that you're coming and telling me them means you want a bit of a pat on the back. Like, if you know that that's the stuff you should be eating all the time, just continue to eat it. Rhodes is saying, wipe the slate clean. If you have a pizza, enjoy the pizza. It's a pizza. But it's as long as you get straight back into the, exactly. the good habits, the next day is the key. Yeah. Um, and also just not be over the top. We Humans are just over the top. You know, we're going to change everything in like one day. And this is what people do with their diet as well. They might have a bad diet, but then they're going to change every single meal yeah. tomorrow. And then, or they might just not have anything but lemon water. And then obviously in the evening, they end up in McDonald's. I, I don't, how know? do people think on some of those things like the, you know, these crazy diets? I just don't understand how people can think that this sort of stuff works. I don't, I've never, we've never gotten no. into the honesty of this before, but some of that stuff, I'm wondering what way are people brainwashed or what way are they conditioned to think that, that that's the solution? Basically, I'm listening to an audiobook at the moment called The Willpower Instinct. And in that, there's some kind of insights into that um, why we do that. So basically, when we start, say, for instance, you're about to undertake a journey uh, with a diet, visualizing yourself, your future self doing this thing, you get like a hit of dopamine as if you you feel like you've already achieved it. Yeah. You, you actually yeah. haven't taken a step towards it, but that's what we're conditioned to do. So we're hardwired that we're even sitting down and visualizing your goals and sitting down and like saying I do it. you excited you but you be you feel like you've already done, done something it. toward yeah. it but yeah. you haven't done anything towards it um 
and then with that then you'll you 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 feel like more confident to go undertake that thing than being a little bit more realistic and going i'll just start with this smaller thing so i think that might kind of feed into it as a, a reason when you go oh, i'm just going to cut out all this stuff i'm going to be you know not going to eat this food ever again at sitting down thinking about it when you're not actually having to do it seems a lot more yeah doable yeah. than and then when you get into the reality of it then the reality hits home of oh this wasn't quite what I expected but very quickly yeah. yeah um is there anything else then that you're kind of seeing at the minute with with your clients in terms of the nutrition side of things um yeah that, that i mean what i find what i find the most annoying thing what what, what people say is i don't like the taste of it and to me, I give me just, an example. What are we talking about? Like, there? like my client don't want to ha- doesn't want to have a vegetable smoothie. Okay, because she doesn't like the taste of it. And to me, this is not a valid response unless you're five. You know, you're you're a grown up person. You know, it's going to be good for you. Yeah. You say you want to change stuff. So you, you come to me and you're paying me to train and get you to eat healthier. She's this client of mine is absolutely lovely, but she's always very unhappy with what she looks like. Okay, and um, and she she feels like it's really holding her back, especially with her confidence, with everything. She doesn't want to go on a holiday because of what she looks like, all of that. And then when I tell her what to eat, she just goes, "Well, I don't like the taste of it." Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, but you say you want all. Of, would you rather not have a veggie smoothie and then just have a chocolate bar because you like the taste of that? And then keep on being unhappy for years. And this is something that you're in control of. This is something that you're unhappy about a situation and you can actually do something about it. Then something like, I don't feel like doing it or I don't like the taste of it. It's just not, it's just not acceptable. That's where the why comes into play so much. Like why somebody wants to do this. Yeah. I did a talk on Friday for um, a company um, and I was talking about how eating better foods can taste awesome. But I said, you've got to be willing to push through a bit of discomfort at first because whatever you eat, your our taste buds become accustomed to that. So yeah. if you eat lots of processed foods, yeah. we crave more processed foods um, and processed foods will taste better. But then if you can push on and you start, like you said, having these vegetable smoothies or eating more of these foods, at first you, you don't really crave them. You're not like, oh, I can't wait to have this. But at a certain point when you do it more and more and more, yeah. then you actually start to really enjoy the taste yeah. of those foods. Yeah. And the best way I could describe that to them was I was like, "Does anyone? Did anyone here drink coffee or beer when they were like six or eight years old?" And yeah, no hands went up for coffee or beer in six or eight. That's strange. I, I was like, but then I was like, "Does anyone in here now enjoy coffee and beer?" And all the hands go up. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, that's because you've acquired a taste yeah. to this. We acquire taste to everything. So if you don't like vegetable smoothies at the start, if you can push through that bit of discomfort and go, well, this is going to be the benefit for me, then after a while, I'd be hard pressed to say that you wouldn't enjoy some form of vegetable smoothie once you kind of push yeah. through that little bit of dis- discomfort. Yeah, it's just that trans- um, like that time in between yeah. that you have to kind of get used to. I had another client and she came to me in the beginning and she only ate one meal a day because she thought that was better for losing weight. So one meal, and that normally was a Subway or some or, or like a baked potato with loads of cheese and chips. And I said to her, do you ever eat vegetables, for example? And she goes, yeah, every day. And I said, what do you have? And she goes, French fries. <laughs> I said, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. And, um, but she went through that time, and I said to her in the beginning, you're not gonna like 
the taste of these things because yeah. your taste buds are just not used to these things. Yeah. And she did it and bless her, she really went through it and hated it and hated me and everything. <laughs> and then Everyone hates her training, yeah. that's kind of normal yeah. for a while. And, yeah. and then afterwards she was fine. And now actually she, she it's not like she's going, mm, you know, chocolate milkshake. But she's going, this actually tastes absolutely fine and I have it every day. Well, that's yeah. like, I think Courtney on the last the Transformation podcast, um, was it, was it veg, well, vegetables, vegetables are life? life, is that what she said? Yeah, vegetables uh, She was talking life. about how um, the vegetable smoothie every morning was kind of over to basically the 12-week transformation contest to do in the gym. Yeah. That was one of the things that she'd worked on was starting every day with, you know, a big serving of three or four vegetables in a smoothie. And it was after about five or six weeks of doing this that she just drank it one morning and felt like a rock star. She was like, I feel so full of energy. And she didn't have it, I think, maybe the week before and really noticed the difference when she didn't have yeah. the vegetables that day. And it's not like she loves the taste of it, but she loves the feeling that she gets from it. But it's really interesting you talk about the taste buds. I remember when I moved to Italy to play rugby a couple of years ago, I was only for a couple of months. Um, I wasn't good enough to stick around for too long. But uh, I just started drinking coffee. I worked in pubs for years. And uh, the girls I worked with, like we were working long days, they were trying to get me to drink coffee. So I started with a mocha. So they gave me like basically yeah. chocolate with the teeniest bit of coffee. And I was like, okay, this is, I can drink this. This is good. Yeah. And then I was kind of onto like a cappuccino by the time I moved to Italy. I got there, got into Rome and we had like a nine hour drive from Rome to Sicily. And we stopped, my God, these guys stopped every 40 minutes for a coffee on the way, like crazy. So I went into the, the cafe and I was like, I'll have a cappuccino or whatever. And everybody in the coffee shop just started laughing at me and I was like oh my god I've made an, an ass of myself here so this double espresso arrives in front of me and I was like oh god drinking it was disgusting now I can only drink black coffee like yeah. I can't drink anything else but I remember that day being like how am I going to survive just drinking black coffee but within two weeks that's yeah. that's what you like now yeah. I, can't, I can't stand the taste of milk in a coffee at all I actually enjoy black coffee I, I hate it when there's milk in it so your taste buds will come round. Yeah, that's absolute proof of it. And just to kind of summarize that and like just give people a, a, like a tip to help them transition to eating more vegetables or anything like that. It might be a case of like you did with the mocha. You could start with, you can add in the vegetables. So like spinach is the best example. Doesn't yeah. taste that much. Blend that and put that in a shake with some berries, some oats and some protein powder and a bit of yogurt. Yeah. And then... If you don't like vegetables, you won't taste the you spinach. You don't taste the spinach, no. And then you could always step it up and add in another bit of vegetables, blend that. And then mm -hmm. in two or three weeks' time, you could step up to something like a kale shake. Do you know, don't just make, by gradual progression. Yeah. Don't make it's the true. mistake I did with Rocket. Rocket is not <laughs> as good as spinach in a smoothie. Uh, you were talking about your pizza there. You had something about yeah. the... Uh, so, um, basically, one of the when I started following you on Instagram, I, uh, oh, I, I remember chuckling and laughing because you had... Uh, like a you like my healthy pizza and there's a big Domino's box and then on the top there's like a small baby carrot and I thought <laughs> and, and then like obviously from following you enough I realised that like about once a week I'd see something like that and it, it always made me laugh and I thought it was really um just like you know good sense of humor and yeah. funny but i also thought it was good because it showed that like obviously you're someone who's in phenomenal shape um and people might look from the outside and go well that person never has a yeah. pizza never has this but we went out for dinner last night you had a beer and a pizza but you're still in phenomenal shape so i think that that was really important for me to see that because then it was kind of like well you can still maintain this this uh, this health this physique but still have a pizza, but also the sense of humor, I thought it was funny. Yeah, I even that. like, I, I, 
a friend was in London the other day and I hadn't seen him for years and years. And he goes, oh, are you, are you free tomorrow night to meet up? And I have another friend is here and, and we could go out, all three of us, or yeah. meet up and have a chat. And then he goes, but um, she wants to meet up in a bar. Is that okay? <laughs> so, yeah, why would that be okay? In, in bar, yeah. you know, he was like, because obviously, I mean, you just want like a smoothie or, you know. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. I'm just gonna have a beer, <laughs> you yeah. know. It's it's that. Not I don't want to say balance because sometimes I think also discipline. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's just it's just that as well, and that's why sometimes I do the the healthy cheat yeah. meal thing. Just just you have to lighten it a bit with with sometimes with the nutrition and everything like that. And and I am not even a massive believer in in a cheat meal per se. Yeah, yeah. Because. Um, I just think if you want something, if you're going to have something unhealthy and it's a Thursday, you, you just have it. Like you're a grown up. Yeah. Then you know you shouldn't be eating this all the time. Yeah. Then then you have just a few days after that where you eat healthy. It's just about not doing it all the time. See, this is a minefield and it's something that it's so, even so like dangerous us talking about and tippy toe around. Like you even said things, like there'll be people listening to podcasts like this that are looking for basically, they would have heard exactly what you just said. But all they would have taken from it was, she eats pizza and drinks yeah. beer. Like that, the people think that way. They're like, oh, cheat meals, that's fine, I can do this. And the term balance, when it comes to, from my eyes, with nutrition, training, fitness, everything to do with um, how you look, feel, and perform, the balance isn't 50-50. The, the balance, yeah. it makes up 100%, and it's realistically 95-5, or something along those lines. So yeah. if you're having, if you're cooking the vast majority of your own meals, you're eating whole, unprocessed foods, all week, every week, three, six, five, one pizza isn't gonna hurt you on no. a weekly basis. It's when people think, oh, well, I'll go out on a Friday and Saturday, I train yeah. Monday to Friday. That's not balanced. That's very heavily skewed the other way. And people look into people like you and, and they hear those things and they go, oh, she has a pizza, that's fine, I can do that. They, they don't see yeah. the, other, the other aspects of the week. I think that's so important for people to realize that if they do wanna enjoy themselves, enjoy it. Enjoy exactly. it. You haven't earned it. This is just your lifestyle. Yeah. You eat healthy, you live healthy, you, you you look after yourself, and that's why a pizza or a beer does no damage. It's if you're on the piss three nights a week and think think that's balanced. That's a that's a whole other kettle of yeah. fish, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think as well, like you said saying about like not earned and you're saying it's not a cheat meal, like I hundred percent agree with both those sentiments because um again like this reading that I'm doing it with regards to like willpower and self-discipline when you feel guilty for something it weakens your willpower so if you feel yeah. guilty for eating something it's a vicious cycle and then you're going to be more likely to give in to those urges going forward whereas if you just said well you just enjoy the pizza yeah. and it's not I'm having this because I want to have this and then you're way less likely to do it compulsively where you 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 don't even want to do it, but then you eat it and then you feel yeah. guilty about it. It's kind of stripping away I, that guilt. I, I don't know yeah. how far you are into the book, but what's the psychology of when you say no or when you decide not to do it? Is, is it a reinforcing yeah. feeling? Is that, is that the big thing about it? So what You're making talk, me look bad with your... What, what they talk about is um, willpower is like a muscle. So, mm -hmm. so the studies have shown that if you use willpower all the time, then you drain it and you have less so they've done they did these studies where you do like a simple basically they had someone in and they gave them food and offered them food they were on a diet and then um then they made them do like a quiz and then something like really really trivial like what you guys are going to do later <laughs> uh, but you know like not a massive amount of brain power but then asked them again and then a lot of people 
gave in to that because they'd used up some of their willpower and thought power doing that. So they that, gave yeah. into the food they afterwards. Gave into the food after. Okay. So so what that shows is that every decision we make is using willpower. So then it's going to weaken it. So just like a yeah. muscle, if you do training and then you go and try and do your max 500 meter row after you've trained, you're going to be weaker than where you were when you started. Yeah. But what the research also shows is willpower is like a muscle in the regard that if you the more you train it the stronger it becomes yeah so the more times you say no to the thing that you're gonna trade that immediate gratification for a longer term goal the more you practice that then the better you become at saying no and strengthening up your willpower so basically the key take-home point with that is what i talk to people about is don't waste your willpower so if you have uh, an environment where you've got loads of these foods around you that you don't want to be eating but they're everywhere yeah. and you haven't prepared any of your own meals so you're just going in and then you're constantly like using your willpower up when you don't need it then you come to the end of the day plus you t- put on top the stress of work and whatever else yeah, yeah. then you're going to come home and you're like ah, I'm just going to do this and you've used up all your willpower for the day so trying to create an environment where you're not wasting willpower and then the other piece with that is just practicing putting yourself into little uncomfortable situations where it's just it's not a big deal yeah it's just a little thing just like training where you just add a little bit more weight to the bar and then you do it and then the more times you progressively overload that the stronger you become mm. you build the habits where you're able to say no to things that you weren't mm-hmm. before so mm-hmm. willpower is a muscle but that's probably something you see with a lot of your clients I, like that's a great example is if i haven't prepped my own food for breakfast for lunch I have to train. It feels like effort to go and train. Yeah. It feels like effort to go and make my own food. By the time I get to the end of the day, I'm going to be completely burnt out from mm-hmm. from constantly feeling like I'm having to, you know, everything is difficult opposed to if you have your lunch prepped, you yeah. know, whatever prepped, it just all becomes a little bit easier. And that's, look, this that's tough stuff to do. That that takes time and effort. It's preparation. It's It takes a little bit of effort. But I think if people can take something from that, it's Rules' exact saying, like what we say a lot in the gym is preparation beats willpower. And if yeah. you can prepare, you don't you don't have to waste any of that very valuable resource of your willpower. And also know when like this is why couples normally argue in the evening time. Yeah. You know, because you have Absolutely. less willpower. So everything is more annoying, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because it works like that. Yeah. You, it gets strained throughout the day. And like um Mark um, Zuckerberg, he, that's why he always wears the same outfit because he says he doesn't yeah. want to waste his willpower on something so insignificant like clothing. Yeah. What yeah. to wear today, you know? So he's like taking out everything that might drain him so he has the willpower for the bigger stuff that he needs. And you also have to know kind of what works for you. Like I'm very bad in the mornings. Like I, I will not do we, we anything. We saw that you were, you were 40 minutes late. We saw that. Well, that wasn't my fault. <laughs> Get over it, yeah? <laughs> we'll edit that. But with... Um, with mornings, I won't do anything but wake up and leave the house. Have my Just breakfast and, and leave go. the house. Okay. Yeah, I would never do extra work or anything like that. You know, I wake up early and I'm a night owl. I stay up way too late, late every night. So I will not do anything. So if in the evening time I go, oh, I'm just going to do my lunchbox in the morning. You know, yeah. and I think I will be different than what I am normally. Yeah, it's not going <laughs> to Tomorrow, it's yeah. not going to happen. And then I go out and I don't have lunch. So I know this now. Yeah. It took me years and years, but I know this now. So now I prep everything with my dinner. Okay. So I do dinner and I just do extra stuff because I'm there in the kitchen anyway. Like things like that. I'm not taking any extra time. I'm just cooking a little bit more extra stuff, put it in the box, and then everything is ready to go. Yeah. 
that sounds so simple but like it's so true i i'm I, this is how bad i am in the mornings i live way too close to the gym so it takes me like three minutes to cycle uh, yeah. here it's like i can get out of bed there's a few clients probably laughing at me saying i'm always the second coach here but uh <laughs> like if i don't literally put the porridge in a bowl and put the spoon next to it the the night before yeah so like all the fruits in the fridge ready to go but the porridge is in the bowl the spoon is next to it i've got a glass left out so i'm ready i have the kind of little bit of water in a bottle in the fridge if i don't do that I, I actually don't eat porridge before I leave the house. Yeah. Just whatever it is, it's not laziness or whatever. It's just, it's ingrained in my head that unless that simple step is ready, for some reason it's going to throw my morning out, I just get up and leave. I'll just grab two bananas and go instead. Um, but like that's, it's it's such a, it's, you got to figure these things out. And once, yeah. once you know, like you know that you're not a morning, like not a morning person, but it feels like a lot of extra effort. That'll definitely help you going forward. Mm-hmm. Unreal. In terms of like, so... If, if you think of that like a lot of that is kind of psychology and using that so like in terms of my own journey as a coach I was chatting to you about it last night for the first couple of years I was really um, obviously like really heavily focused on the exercise prescription and then came the nutrition and now in my journey as a coach I'm starting to try and learn more about the mindset and, and yeah. go back and study that in college now Um so for for yours and you talked about having those three sides of the coin yeah what are some of the key strategies you use to help people Mm -hmm. think like a viking are there any kind of key areas or things that you do to help them yeah there's certain things that we have like one of the biggest things in thinking like a viking is taking responsibility for yourself and for your life so so you cannot keep on blaming other people you know it's it's his or hers fault it's because of this i don't have time all of these kind of things that you're saying are external to you but they're controlling what you're doing with your life and it's not just so you can be hard on yourself but it is because you can't control what others are doing so you're basically saying that they control your life and until you go do you know what i did this this was my fault i am where i am because of me then you can actually do something about it so the first thing is you are in control of your life whether you're using that well or not that's up to you you know, and now from now on, you can change it and start using it well. So that's kind of the first thing you have to do. And then we have something in the Viking method called the great separation. So we separate who you are and what you do. And I think this is the most important thing you do in life. So, so that wasn't good enough doesn't translate into I am not good enough. And okay. that was a failure. It doesn't translate into I am a failure. Because once you, when you have those together, you feel so defeated. Every time, every time something doesn't work out because then you're a failure. There's massive kind of emotional attachment to it. And then you go hard on yourself and then you become the victim and like, poor me. And yeah, I'm always such a failure. I can never do anything right. So it stops you instead of once you, once you separate it, you can kind of assess it better and just see, okay, that wasn't good enough. What do I need to do to improve it? What do I need to do different? So you don't take it personally. It's like, um, it's like if you're driving to a party and you know this one way and you go that way and the route is closed. You know, you don't go, I'm such a failure at driving to parties. You just go, okay, that route is closed. Let's find another route. You, it, there's no like yeah, emotional yeah. thing that comes up. You just, you just go to the party. You always end up going there, no matter how many kind of routes you have to take. You just assess it, that doesn't work. Let's find a different one that works. Yeah. So you need to be able kind of to always do that. So we do that a lot in the Viking separation. Method. Yeah, and we do the same with who you are and what you look like. Okay. So there has to be a separation there as well. And because obviously you are not your body, but 
but we've constantly like in almost every interview that I do they always go which body part do you hate the most about yourself and which body part do you love the most and I just find who this, asks you that oh they ask me all the time all the women's magazines yeah, they <laughs> love it just scratching his I mean, notes out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they love it you know like I just love my biceps but I hate my triceps and it's just you I don't have anything like that. some ambiguous answers, like my heels, or you know, something crazy, just to keep them guessing. I know I should yeah. actually start yeah, doing that do, because yeah. I just find it so ridiculous. And I think, you know, to to have that kind of huge emotional relationship because whatever you have emotions to amplifies becomes bigger, and it's more you have more attachment in the brain and everything for it. So to have something like that, and then take my body and then split it into pieces, and then kind of give them a love or hate relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. to each part, it becomes a bit of a madness because then it becomes such a part of you as well yeah. so you start hating it more and more and loving it more and more and then also it matters a lot what the outside world thinks and and you cannot have how you view your body it cannot ride on what the outside world thinks of bodies yeah. because it changes all the time so you never know kind of where the yardstick is in in, in certain terms it's like now women should be quite you know have a big bum and if you don't have a big bum and you can't separate who you are and what you look like, you're gonna you're gonna feel that you're not attractive because you need to have this look that's now in fashion. Yeah. And then you might go to the gym and you might train, you know, day in, day out just to make your bum bigger. But if you are genetically unable to do that, like I will never have a big bum, you might go and have a surgery and then finally you have this massive ass, you know, <laughs> and you're like heavy, and then all of a sudden it changes. All of a sudden, small bums are in fashion. And like massive calls. And then you're like, oh, fucking hell. I've been spending like years. Yeah. And now you have to change that up again. Because you're basing yourself and how you see your body on what somebody else is saying. And they have no clue what they're saying. Yeah. You know? Rhodes, when did you have the bum operation? That's what I'm saying. We're in fashion. We're like, yeah. if big bums are in fashion, we're going to be okay that, for that. That's, that's God given. Um, I, I, think, I think two of the things you said there are incredible. And like, of the, all the guests we've had on the podcast, that the thing about separation, that's like something that's hit me the most. Like, responsibility is the first one. Um, it's something that, like, I'm nearly 30. Um, it's, it's only really becoming apparent for me in the last probably year of my life that, like, yeah we're not victims of our circumstance. I've seen people say it, I've seen it online, I've read it in books, but like I've only really started to actually feel it through experience that where I end up is ultimately a result of my actions. And yeah. like it's because of me and I do have, it, it's very difficult when people are in a bad place to understand that they have the power to change their life and move forward. But it, it's true, you've got the power to make decisions to move forward no matter how, how difficult things are, you can be in control of your own life and yeah. your own daily actions and it all adds up when it's positive. But the best thing, the, the separation between who you are and what you do, I think that's incredible. Um, yeah. Because like it's so easy for things to not go your way for like a multitude of different factors. Uh, you know, a training session in the gym, you might lift as heavy because somebody interrupted your rest or whatever it might be. There's so many different things that it's not going to go perfectly and that one session that turned out bad doesn't mean you're not fit or you're not very good in the gym all of a sudden and so many people think that way oh, I didn't have a great session today oh but then my day is terrible I'll go eat shit food I you know it'll affect yeah. you you won't sleep yeah. as well and it's not a nice cycle so to be able to compartmentalize those two things I'd imagine like I've never really thought of it that way that's a really powerful tool to have in your toolbox I think it's definitely something yeah. that I've been taking a lot of notes here while you're talking that's awesome <laughs> no I mean it's a massive and I, I was raised in that way it was very it was a massive separation when I was a child and, and my parents especially my mom just managed to do that really well she could 
you know, assess and, and kind of criticize and judge in a positive way everything that I did without me taking it as she just didn't love me yeah. or there was something wrong with me personally. Like that story no, that I was telling you last night. You know, I was in a dance school and my mom came to watch me and, and after the show, I was like, did you like the show? And she goes, yes, but you were the fattest one on stage. Oh, God. You need to do something about it because if you want to be a dancer, you, you, you're too big at the moment. Like things like that. And, and she was very harsh in a way, but she was right. I was too big. I'd put on quite a lot of weight and I was too big and I needed to do something about it. To you the know. point, uh, blunt. Yeah, it's very, it's very much to the point. But she also, it's, it's, it's a fine line with a parent. If you're going to be that harsh, you have to be, you know, nice as well. And she, and she just taught me like sentences that I've always kept with me. Like, um, you know, like once I came home from school and, and I told my mom that somebody had said I was ugly. And my mom said, if someone says you're a car, are you a car? And I said, no. And she said, exactly. And that was kind of that. Awesome. You know, she yeah. just said, you know, it's like people will call you whatever. It doesn't matter what people call you. It only matters what you answer to. So if I, I managed to keep that in my head, if somebody was saying something or something, I would go, I'm not a car. And that would just really work for me because, yeah. and she also didn't, she wasn't kind of constantly going, oh, poor you and bless you all. That's so horrible. No, you're not ugly. Like things like that. It was more like, it doesn't matter. Don't mind them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mind them. And also if something was up or I was upset about something, it was like, okay, can you do something about it? Yes. Then go and do it. No. Then stop complaining. Yeah. It wasn't, we weren't, I was never allowed to like have like a pity party. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. A lot to be said for that. A huge amount to be said for that. Can I chip in before we move on to the quiz? You're going to have a pity party in a minute because you're going down in the quiz. (laughs) Before we move on to the quiz, but like one thing as well, like you've given both examples there, that separation, like that was awesome. Um, But as well, when things aren't going well, but also it works really well when you can separate what you do and who you are for when things are going well because it's so easy when things are going your way to get caught, especially in this society now where it's like, first thing you do, how are you doing? What do you do for a living? That's like the first thing. So you can kind of get so caught up in what you're doing for a living and it kind of defines you as a person so say for instance when things are going really well or on a sporting side of things when things are going really well on a sporting side you can almost become a little above your station and then not work as hard or yeah. or become afraid of losing that so I found when I was much younger um, I would be afraid of playing a bad game of rugby because I was so defined as being this good rugby player so yeah. I, it kind of made me anxious about like going out and playing the yeah. thing that I thought was fun because I was almost trying to protect my ego in that regard so I think that's like you, you can go both sides of the coin how yeah. it be beneficial even when things are going well if you can park that and go that's what I'm doing it's going really well but I'm still the same person yeah. it helps yeah. you one to take on things that are challenging that might test you but two to keep you humble and grounded that you still keep putting in the work that got you to that place that yeah. helped you to yeah. progress I agree because they did a study with kids exactly yeah. about that so they took kids that had always been told that they were the best you know nobody was better than them all of that kind of stuff then they took another group of kids that had always been told just do your best yeah. And then these two groups did a test and then they all scored high. And then they said, we have another test that's much harder that you can try out if you want to. And all the kids that have been told, just do your best. They all said, yes. All the kids that have been told you are the best. They said, no, because they would rather be on that level and be best. Yeah. So they wouldn't lose out in the next level. 
that kind of big fish in a small pond sort yeah. of thing you see that so much I find from sport like golf I talk about it a bit in this but that's such a like I, I play golf with a lot of really really good golfers who you know they're at a level that's better than me but it's they basically in terms of playing in like team competitions and the big stage they don't really want it because they're seen as these very good golfers and then mm. they're exposed on that high level stage where it's just you it's not like a team sport it's just on you and and if you get caught out it's very very obvious and they really want to protect that ego like Rudd's is yeah. saying but it, yeah that's a really interesting study to see but um i think Rudd's exactly like what you're saying with rugby it's that you're worried about that perception of yourself yeah. and if you're in the gym if you're a strong guy if you're the fit guy or the fit girl mm-hmm. you know there can be a lot of pressure on you in those environments it's difficult it was something I really struggled with when I was younger it really like it really did um, hold me back because I, I kind of let that happen to myself where I put a lot, a lot of my self image in that so kind of only through learning through my mistakes did I kind of realise that and go oh, I'm not this person I, yeah. it's just something I do and it's a consequence of the work I've done and mm-hmm. if I do the work I'll play well or yeah. I'll get yeah. for this team and know? just thinking like that like like I do with my daughter now I do that with my daughter I used to be more because I come from that like kind of competitive background yeah. and you want to be best and all of that kind of stuff which often doesn't serve you because you're just stressed all the time as well about being the best at everything you do but then I so I started with her like that but then I changed it and literally went into you know just do your best, do best if yeah. you feel like you did your best but then I'm also expecting her to do her best. Yeah. yeah now, absolutely. if she has a test, she should do her best, study as much as she can, do everything. And if she doesn't get a good grade, that's okay because she can walk out of it still being no, successful. It, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I, I couldn't have done any better. And I think you what you said about do your best, do your best, like I think that's really important as well to know what your actual best is. Yeah, like, yeah like that's the, true. The actually. best example I can give you is on the Rome machine do a 2k and then go and you think you know like you're gonna fall off the thing no matter what but pretty much every time i've done a 2k i always get off and i know i could have done better because i like wimped out a tiny bit yeah 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 yeah. i mean like my uh, to get to my actual best i don't think i've ever got to my actual best because you know there's working really hard but doing your actual best at something is so hard before before you get to the quiz that's like people i remember when we opened the gym first one guy he came in he said he's basically at like his genetic limit he's gone as far as he could go and oh he said i love when people say things like that i'm just literally as i'm as maxed out as i can genetically i like i just laugh like how funny is that to think that somebody who's just a recreational trainer can be at that level and think no i can't do anymore this is the end of it it's gas anyway speaking of the best um i really (laughs) i really hope i don't lose this um how's your singing how is my singing i can imagine better than mine Oh my god! Yeah, probably better than yours. Probably better, but yeah. doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean it's going to be good. Okay, Rhodes, let's have it. <laughs> so, as we're recording this podcast, the Eurovision Song Contest has just been on this weekend. So, this week's quiz is Eurovision inspired. And um, Iceland, were they in the Eurovision? No, we never get through the the place. Okay, good. Well, I'm at an advantage already. So, yeah. Uh, so there will be three Eurovision related trivia questions for each person. Oh the person with the least points will be doing this week's forfeit which is this week's forfeit is going to be a musical forfeit you must record a 60 second acapella <laughs> of your, of a song of your choice posting it on Instagram and tagging the other contestants so this can't hurt oh my, my followers God. I don't have enough followers you, you have a lot more followers than me so this could be detrimental to you yeah I, 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 I'll give you I'll give you a slight get, get out clause on it in regards it can be in your story okay I don't want to interfere with anyone's uh, social media too much but just I'll leave it up to you what you think yeah, yeah. exactly um, so 
We'll jump La- right ladies in. First. Ladies first. Okay. So hit in, me. In 2008, Ireland's entry was Ireland Duvet Point, <laughs> and was <laughs> sung by a puppet. Which type of animal was he? So a puppet was. Which type of animal was the puppet? It was. Don't impress you for time here. Um, <laughs> oh, for Ireland. What would it? For Ireland, we had a puppet in 2008 singing. I'm going to say a cat. What was it? It was turkey. a turkey. Dustin the turkey. Dustin the turkey. <laughs> okay, I, I feel I might do well here. I, I, I would have got that. All right. Rory, who was the last act to win the contest for the UK? Oh, oh, um, oh. oh. Was it your man, Will? Um. I need to press you for not, time there. Not Garrett Gates. What was the man saying? Was it Garrett, Garrett, Garrett Gates or Will Young? Was it one of them? I'm looking around the room for hints. I'm going to go with uh, Will Young. Um, it was actually Katrina and the Waves <sighs> in 1997. <laughs> right, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I thought Will Young was. Okay, um, no points. Will each. Young. I, mean, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I should have asked Mike <laughs> South. He'd know that pop culture. So the next one is from which country did this Eurovision song contest come from so I'll give you the name of the song and the name of the band but you have to give me the country so Hard Rock Hallelujah by Lordy what country Finland that wasn't this year by the way they won that like was that like three years ago sorry not this year okay that was easy I would have got that damn it okay one nil Uh, Rory that's a good song yeah what's another year Johnny Logan what about it what 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 country same as yeah so um, what's it from what country i feel like this is a trick question <laughs> what's another year by johnny logan uh, ireland correct yeah, ireland. I, I felt like that was a trick question okay. <laughs> i'm trying to give you guys <laughs> one you should get one right all. okay Jesus, uh, i didn't know <laughs> okay i'm to set you both up all right so, let's do it in which year was the first eurovision song contest oh Ooh, in which year oh a good one that's a doozy yeah, do you know that one? No. No. Yeah. I would say, which year? When? I think I want. Um, let's say 1967. Ooh, not quite. 1956. Okay. Oh, yes. You weren't even close. In, in so wasn't, that wasn't even close. Oh, I, uh, I could have guessed what it was. Yeah. Okay. How, win. how many countries competed in the first ever competition, Rory? <laughs> in 1957. Uh, 20. Seven. Oh my God. <laughs> Have you got some death so Eurovision got questions? Some tie breaks here. So do we buzz in here? What happens? Do we do we shout in? Uh, yeah, I think I think first person to shout in with the correct answer. Cap. Okay. Okay. If you shout, you got to answer. You can't like just. I'm not gonna just shout. I'm well, gonna shout people, the some answer. Do. There's a lot of bluffers out here. <gasps> Hoover, have you got a question? Have you got a big oh, question? I have a question. Okay. If Go you on. want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're so good. the Hoover coming in. Hang on, i got to get you close to the... we got to shout in again. Okay. What one European country... What one non-European country is currently in the Eurovision? Australia. No way. Woo! Oh, that's so bleak. <laughs> Technically, she didn't shout her name in, but here, listen, I'm not going <laughs> to... No. Slava, you're a worthy winner and I am not going to enjoy this at all. Um, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, I'll, oh. I'll sing. Can I Can I wait till the wedding and sing at the wedding when I've had a few beers on me or something? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we'll see. I'll, I'll take care of it. 
And um, before we move on, Sava, thanks so much for coming in. Oh, um, thanks for having me. I, I know you seem to enjoy your time in Ireland, which is great. But I yeah. know people love having you over here. Are you coming back to Wellfest next year? Are you going to be in Dublin at any stage between yes, now and then? Yes, I'm coming every year, whether they want me or not. You're going to be here. Yeah, yeah. very good. Um, fantastic. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your time in Ireland and take care. You too. Thank you. Well,